from the combined crew of blindandroidusers.com and accessibleandroid.com, it's time for your favorite Android podcast. Kick back now and enjoy another fine episode from these fanboys and gals as they navigate Android from a blindness perspective. And now, here's your crew. Hello and welcome to episode 161 of the Blind Android Users Podcast. I'm Ed Green and I'm here today with my co-hosts Warren Carr, Austin Pinto, John Dyer, Kirin Kuan, and Sally Kunders. And we're coming to you on Saturday, the 6th of January, 2024. On this week's episode in Android Basics, we resume our look at One UI and John takes us through the security settings found in Samsung Settings. In our app of the week, Warren demonstrates R-Scan. Kareen brings us the next in our series on Jishuo. And we close with the tip of the week from John about gestures in the Nova launcher. Well, how are we all doing, folks? Kareen, what's going on in Lebanon? Hello. It's the first week in the year. And uh, like um, feeling excited about the new year that had started. Hoping that it will be uh, that it will bring with it something amazing for all of us, and yeah, everything is going well here. Good, good. Glad to hear it. Uh, Sally, what's happening in Samsung's Fair City? Well, the city is really cold these days. I mean, uh, it's down to five degrees sometimes. It's getting even colder here. I don't know what's going to happen. Like everybody's having cold in my area. I already had my cold, so <laughs> it's it's all good now. I can I can yeah, freely uh, walk around <laughs> these people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're immune for the time being. Yeah, yeah it's sure, been wet sure. here rather than. Cold. It's nice to have it advance. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, get it out of the way early. Yeah. John Boy, what's happening? It's uh, pretty rainy here as well in Virginia. Um, Christmas is officially over in the dire household we're taking down all of our our tree and all of our decorations this weekend yeah i think today is the day you're supposed to do it isn't it sixth of jan <laughs> Some, something around that sometimes we take it down we've taken it down the day after christmas at times but this week we're a little late sometimes we've left it up for ages <laughs> but I don't think we've ever quite left it up a year but we've certainly left it up for longer than uh it's traditional in a couple of years Austin, what's happening in Mumbai? So Mumbai also is getting very cold and we had a nice New Year celebration with lots of rum and I got a really bad cold. I'm just fed up of it because my left ear is completely blocked. So even while recording, I'm having glass of the glass of brandy. So Ed, how was your New Year? And Warren, did you take down that Christmas tree? I know last year you left it for ages. New Year was good. We went out for a meal uh, in a neighbourhood we used to live in. Um, we um, we we left just after midnight, so we were home relatively earlier. And Warren, how are you? Doing well. And uh, Austin, no, we still haven't taken down our Christmas tree. And yes, last year, I think... We had it till like maybe mid-February or toward the end of February for some reason. Uh, it's still there. I kind of like the lights on it for some reason. Um, so that thing is still on there. Probably I'll take it down next week. What I'm trying to do, though, 
is to make sure that the water runs dry so that when I'm trying to take the tree out, it's not um, letting drifts onto my carpet and all of that. But so I think that's probably one of the reasons why I do that because we buy the real live tree. I don't like the uh, fake one. So uh, it's getting dry. So we'll let it dry and then we'll take it out. Other than that, we're doing well. Um, it was very, very windy here last night. Very scary. Um, but I thought it's going to bring us a big dump of snow, but no, it didn't. So I'm glad because I don't want to be out there shoveling that snow. So other than that, it's great. I think we're going to be like up in the 40s today. So it's absolutely beautiful um, for a change. I think last year something happened and some tree caught on fire. I don't know, was it your Christmas tree or was it some other tree? But I remember something catching on fire. Uh, no, mine didn't catch on fire um, last year. It was the year before we were, um, you know, lighting fires out in the uh, in the backyard, and I had taken an old Christmas tree that had dried, and it, of course it's pine, and so I threw it on the fire, and it just shot like eight feet or ten feet into the air and scared the daylights out of me. That that was a very yeah. bad thing. And so last year, I knew not to throw the whole thing into the fire. I just broke branches and, you know, a little at a time, I learned. Your Christmas tree did it best. It, your Christmas tree did its best Samsung Note 7 impression, did it? It sure did. But that was so scary. <laughs> um, so I learned my lesson from there, hence. Excellent. This is the announcement segment of Blind Android Users Podcast. Stay tuned to hear important information regarding the podcast, surveys, and the latest news. So moving on now to our announcement section. Austin, do we have anything for this week? So our first app bonanza, you know, we have four app bonanzas in the year, but our first one, is coming on the 27th of January. So if our listeners want to submit their app demos, or we are going to definitely demo apps, but if our listeners want their favorite apps, they can submit it to us. And it's better that they email it to uh, to contact us at blindandroidusers.com. Do not put it in any groups or mailing lists because those demos, they get lost in so many messages. So it's better to email us. Uh, yeah, so please do. And when do we want them by? What's a good deadline? When do we when do we want the apps by? I think 25th January or 26th January is a good date. Which date? 20th? 25th or 26th. Oh, 25th. Yeah, yeah 25th yeah. or 26th. That sounds good to me. Yeah, so please do get your contributions in for our app Bonanza. This is Android Basics, in which we bring you up to date on the things that you should know to use your Android phone. Now we turn to our Android Basics section, and after a little hiatus, we are back with our series on One UI, Samsung's interface. And John, the perennial Samsung demonstrator, is going to show us the security section of the Samsung Settings app. Hello, today we're going to be continuing our way through Samsung settings. 
The next section we have is security and privacy. There's a lot in here, so we're actually going to do it in two parts. Today, we'll be covering security, and in the next installment, we'll be covering privacy. But in the Samsung settings, it's all in one section, and this is what it's called. Security and Privacy, Biometrics Permission Manager. I'm going to go in here. Security and Privacy, Navigate Up button. So at the very top, this is what we have. One warning. It's telling me there's something wrong. Action is needed to keep your phone safe. Warning, image. And if we continue to swipe, we will see what it thinks is good and what it thinks needs addressing. Lock screen. Screen lock is set. Good. It says my screen lock is good. I'm going to go in here. Lock screen. Navigate up button. Setting a PIN, pattern, or password is important to keep your phone safe. For the most protection, use a strong password that's difficult for others to guess. And then below that we have... Screen lock. Screen lock is set. Good. Fingerprints. There's only two options here. Fingerprints we'll get to later. And screen lock type, so I'm going to back out. Security and privacy. Lock screen. Screen lock is set. Good. Next we have account security. Check your Samsung account. Suggestion. Let's see what this suggestion is. Account security. Navigate up button. Staying signed into your Google and Samsung accounts is important for keeping your phone secure. A yellow icon will appear if you're signed out or if there's an issue with one of your accounts. It's important to check your accounts for unknown sign-ins, outdated passwords, and other issues. Samsung account security. Check your Samsung account. Suggestion. So there's my Samsung account, and here is Google my... Google account security. No recommended actions. Good. Google account. So I'm going to see what the recommendation Samsung is. Samsung account security. Check your Samsung account. Security and privacy. Navigate up. Button. Security and privacy. Password. Change your outdated password. Suggestion. Okay, so that's what's wrong. <laughs> is my password is outdated. I'm not going to worry about that right now. There's a whole list of settings in here that you can go through. And it will tell you what it thinks you should change or have enabled. Things like two-factor authentication and that sort of thing. But I'm going to back out of here. Account security. Samsung account security. Check security and privacy. Account security. Check your Samsung account. Suggestion. So we're back on the main security page. I'm going to go down. Lost device protection. This phone is allowed to be found when lost. Good. So that's good. I have that turned on. App security. Turn on Google Play Protect. Warning. So this is warning me that I want need to have Play Protect turned on, but I have chosen to turn that off so that I can install side-loaded things. So I'm going to leave that off. Updates. No recommended actions. Good. Updates. There's no recommended actions, but I'm going to go in here just to show you what it looks like. Updates. Navigate up button. Security updates are important to keep your phone safe. Security update. December 1st, 2023. Good. So it tells you what level security patch you have. 
Google Play System Update, July 1st, 2023. Good. And it also tells you that. So I'm going to back out. Security and privacy. Updates. No recommended actions. Good. So those are all of these sections that it recommends you have enabled for security reasons. Below that, we have a heading. Additional security settings. Heading. And under that, we have... Biometrics. So I'm going to go in here. Biometrics. Navigate up. Button. And what we have... Face recognition. Face registered. First, we have face recognition. I'm going to go in here. Confirm pattern. Navigate up. Button. Pattern completed. Face recognition. Navigate up. Button. And here are all the options we have in here. Add alternative appearance to enhance recognition. You can add yourself again with your glasses on or something like that. Face unlock. On. Switch. You could turn face unlock off if you want to temporarily. Stay on lock screen until swipe. When you unlock with face recognition, you'll stay on the lock screen until you swipe. Turn this off to go directly to the last screen you were using. On. Switch. So, that is pretty self-explanatory. I have mine turned on so that when I hit the side key, it just goes into my phone to whatever I was last doing without staying on the lock screen. Require open eyes. For added security, only recognize your face when your eyes are open. Off. Switch. So I don't require that. If you want to, you can turn that on. Brighten screen. Increase screen brightness temporarily so your face can be recognized in the dark. On. Switch. Sometimes this helps. Sometimes it doesn't. I found that in the complete dark, you're still not going to get recognized. And then we have... About face recognition. I'm going to back out. Biometrics. Face recognition. Face registered. Below this we have... Fingerprints. Four fingerprints added. I'm going to go in here. Confirm pattern. Navigate up. Button. Pattern completed. Fingerprints. Navigate up. Button. And here we have... Right thumb. These are the fingerprints I've added. Fingerprint 1. As you've noticed, I did name one of them. Fingerprint 2. Fingerprint 3. It will, by default, just call them fingerprint 1, 2, 3, and 4. But if you want to rename them, you can. This helps if you're setting up a routine. For example, that you want your phone to do a specific thing if you unlock with a specific finger. Next we have... Check added fingerprints. Check added fingerprints. So if, if you've forgotten which finger is which, you can go here, put your finger on the sensor, and it'll tell you that's fingerprint 2, and then you can just rename it to whatever finger it is if you've forgotten. Fingerprint unlock. On. Switch. It's turned on. Again, you could temporarily turn it off if you want to. Fingerprint always on. Scan your fingerprint even when the screen is off. On. Switch. This is what makes Samsung phones better than Pixel phones, <laughs> in my opinion. It's one of the things I miss when I try to use a Pixel. You can have it always unlock even if the screen is turned off, as long as you put your finger on the fingerprint sensor. Next we have... Show icon when screen is off. On always on display. 
This is whether or not you want the fingerprint area to be shown on your always-on display. I think most of us don't even use an always-on display. Show animation when unlocking, off, switch. Another visual thing. About fingerprints. And this is the last item, so I'm going to back out. Biometrics. Fingerprints. Four fingerprints added. Below that we have... Show unlock transition effect. On. Switch. Pretty self-explanatory. About unlocking with biometrics. And there you can go in to read a little bit about unlocking if you want to. But I don't, so I'm going to back out. Security and privacy. Biometrics. Now we're back on the main screen for security and privacy. And next we have... Autoblocker. Keep your phone safe by blocking threats and other suspicious activity. Let's see what this is. Autoblocker. Navigate up. Button. Autoblocker. Off. Switch. I have it turned off. Autoblocker keeps your phone safe by blocking threats and other suspicious activity. Blocks apps from unauthorized sources. Only apps from authorized sources can be installed. Learn more. Turns on app security checks. Apps installed on your phone will be checked for malicious activity. Learn more. Blocks commands by USB cable. Malicious chargers, computers, and other devices won't be able to send commands to your phone when connected using a USB cable. So, as you can see, a lot of this stuff is stuff I don't want blocked. You know, I use a lot of ADB command type things when I connect to my computer. I sideload apps that I want to have certain permissions. So, if you don't do any of that, you may as well turn this on just to be safe. Below that description we have advanced heading messaging app protection block images suspected of containing malware in messaging apps on switch disabled block software updates by usb cable prevent installation of system software using a usb cable this can prevent someone with physical access to your phone from installing malicious software without your knowledge on switch disabled so those are two settings that you can choose to have enabled or disabled once you turn this feature on but i have it off that's why they are disabled i'm gonna back out security and privacy auto blocker keep your phone safe by blocking threats and other suspicious activity and next we have more security settings secure folder secure wi-fi and more this is going to be the last item in the security section we're going to go in and see what we have more security settings. Navigate up. Button. And on this page we have... Secure folder. I'm not going to open this because I don't use it, but... This is where you can create a specific folder on your phone if you want to store all of your private files in one area and have it require authentication to get in. You can do that. Secure Wi-Fi. This is something I also don't use. It's Samsung's version of a VPN. So if you want to go in and enable that, you can go there. Enhanced data protection. Honestly, not sure what this is. So let's find out. E2EE. -E. Checking phone info. Enhanced data protection. Enhanced data protection. Protect your cloud data with end-to-end -end encryption so only your trusted devices can access it. 
That way, even if Samsung Cloud gets hacked, no one but you can access your data. <laughs> okay, that's that's funny. Encrypt backup data. Off switch. So this is off. I don't think I'm going to turn it on now because it might be a bit of a process. Um, but here's where you would go if you want to turn that on. I'm going to back out. More security settings. Enhanced data protection. Next we have... Samsung Pass. Use biometric authentication to verify your identity easily and securely. So, I use Google for all this, but if you want to use this, it'll save your passwords, it'll save your credit cards, your um, addresses, that sort of thing. So you can quickly get to it for autofill or anything else. Samsung Blockchain Key Store. Don't know what this is. Let's go find out. Samsung Blockchain Key Store. Safe and secure. Store private keys safely in a secure area on your phone. Easily sign transactions. Confirm transaction with your private keys. Protect virtual assets. Set up a pin or fingerprint to secure your virtual assets. To continue, read and agree to the terms and conditions. So there you have it. I'm not going to set this up. I'm going to back out. More security settings. Samsung Blockchain Key Store. Next we have... SIM Card Security. Get in here. SIM Card Security. Navigate up. Button. There's just one option. Lock SIM Card. Require your SIM Card pin to unlock and use your SIM Card. Off. Switch. So you can lock your SIM Card if you want to. I'm going to back out. More security settings. SIM Card Security. Next we have... Install Unknown Apps. Install Unknown Apps. Navigate Up. Button. This just takes you to a list of different apps that want the permission to install APKs. You can enable or disable them from here. I'm going to go back. More Security Settings. Install Unknown Apps. Next we have... Make Passwords Visible. Show password characters briefly as you type them. On. Switch. Self-explanatory. Device admin apps. No active apps. This is going to take you to a list of apps that want that privilege. Next. Credential storage. Heading. View security certificates. Display trusted CA certificates. I'm not going to go in there. User certificates. View user certificates. Just going to go through so you can see what options are here. Install from device storage. Install certificates from storage. Clear credentials. Remove all certificates. Certificate management app. None. Disabled. So that's all the certificate related things. The next heading. Advanced. Heading. And below that we have. Trust agents. Perform selected actions when trusted devices are connected. Go in here, find out. Trust agents. Navigate up. Button. Here's the description. App set as trust agents can unlock your phone without requiring you to enter your PIN, password, or pattern when certain conditions are met, such as when a Bluetooth device is connected or when your phone is in a certain location. Make sure you only allow this for apps you trust. Misuse of this feature could allow someone else to access sensitive data on your phone. So, obviously this is not something you want to give any app permission to do. 
So I only have three apps on my phone that want this permission. Modes and routines. Off. Switch. Air command. On. Switch. Extend unlock. On. Switch. So those are all three Samsung apps. One has to do with the S Pen. One has to do with routines, obviously. And then the third had to do with just what Google calls smart lock. So if you want your phone to stay unlocked when it's connected to a certain Bluetooth device. Back out of here. More security settings. Trust agents. Perform selected actions when trusted devices are connected. Then we have... Pin app. Pin app. You could turn this on, on and off. Pin app. Switch. This allows you to pin an app to your screen. Um, what this will do is it'll keep the person from leaving that specific app. So, like, if you're handing your kid your phone and you want them to watch videos in a specific app or play a certain game or something, you don't want them leaving, that's what you can do if you have this enabled. Next. Galaxy system app update. And this is the last item in here. And this will let you turn on or off having Samsung automatically update its system apps. Of course, this is turned on by default, but if you want to turn it off, you can. And that brings us to the end of this section of security and privacy. So we've covered security today. And in the next installment, we will cover privacy. But for now, I'm going to send it back to the crew. Anyone want to say anything about this? You know, security is so important. And, uh, you know, I hope that everyone can just go in there and set their securities to their liking. And it seems like every company now is aware of the fact that we need privacy because it used to be in the past that people or companies didn't care. I mean, everything was like free for the taking. I'm just looking back at you, you know, Android uh, 4X, 5X, you know, even up to maybe Android 8 or whatever. I think we didn't start seeing some aggressive um, privacy implementations from Google until what, uh, guys, maybe you'll say maybe as of Android 12 or maybe 11. I mean, we started seeing some of it coming on later on, but nothing like what we have today. So I'm glad to see this type of securities and privacy matters going on because it is important and uh, everyone should always go into these places and be sure that those things are uh, enabled and th- there are some things that you want to disable, you can disable. It's totally up to you. It's, after all, customization, right? Just to go off topic, MIUI, the HyperOS that is coming, it's not Samsung related, but the HyperOS that is coming is going to scan your phone and tell you if you have not set some privacy or security settings to the recommended values. So this is a nice new uh, Demo on HyperOS. And adding to that, Google also implemented something in Android 14, actually, that they don't even talk about. But basically, non-essential apps that don't belong, whatever, out of the box, those things are disabled until you run them. So uh, security and privacy is being taken seriously. And I'm glad to see that because... 
it's one of those things that we always hear that, oh, you know, Android is not secure, Android is not secure, and all of that. And so Google is finally doing these things. And I like what Xiaomi is doing, too, with that Hyper OS. That's really neat feature. So, uh, Ed, maybe when you get the Hyper OS um, on your device, I don't know if it will qualify or not, maybe you'll show us some of those features. Yeah, I, it may well not. I got my I got my first update in five months from Xiaomi uh, the other week. Uh, it's very slow to update anything. Um, it's had one upgrade already to uh, Android 13. If it gets HyperOS, I'll definitely show it. Um, it it's very security centric anyway. Well, it is until you turn off MIUI optimizations, which I've done because it messes with the share sheet, but. Without that, it, it scans everything. They have some sort of tie-up with Avast, I think, where they use Avast to uh, try and stop you doing most things that you ought not to want to do, and, and it scans everything, as I say, until you turn off MIUI optimizations. Uh, but if I do get uh, HyperOS, I'll turn them back on and see what it does. I think the sole purpose of getting uh, of, uh, you know, Xiaomi, like letting out MIUI, and bring on HyperOS is to just change the dirty image of MIUI that is there in minds of people. So there is a HyperOS ROM that you can flash, but uh, MIUI is now tying up with HyperOS and bringing the HyperOS itself to Xiaomi phones. Where's Where's HyperOS on now? Before Xiaomi phones, like what was it? What was it doing beforehand? Like there is a ROM on. It's called HyperOS, so you can. Yeah. Flash it on any phone, but it's nowhere. It's just a ROM. That you no, can it was never. It. A, yeah. yeah. It was an OS, but it was never uh, on Xiaomi phones. It was like universal. You can flash it. was it never adopted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's not like color and oxygen, then. It wasn't somewhere else first. It, it's oh, just it's a not. ROM. It's just a custom developed yeah. ROM. Yeah. So, in other words, what you are saying, though, is that it's not Xiaomi that came up. With uh, Hyper OS, it was a pre-existing uh, OS that Xiaomi now decides to use. Is that what we're saying? It was pre-existing, but Xiaomi must have made some changes and adopted it. But Hyper OS ROM is pre-existing. You know, one of the things I didn't like about the Xiaomi, uh, you know, the cat UI, the me <laughs> called the cat UI, um, and frankly, if this Hyper OS, uh, as I heard, um, is that good, it, it w wouldn't be bad to kind of get one of those Xiaomi phones, newer ones, and just kind of demo it for the podcast. It, it would be really nice um, to see the, one of their newer ones and all of that running on that Hyper OS. If the, if, if the new Redmi supports it, then that might be the one to get. Yeah. Because that'll be cheap. And I know we are talking about HyperOS on Samsung demos, but uh, MIUI had a lot of ads and it was very, very difficult to uh, disable them. Even on settings, they had ads. On lock screens, they had ads. Then they improved it a bit. But now with HyperOS, I hope there are no ads. You can kill the ads. You can kill them in MSA. Uh, one of Sam, uh, one of Xiaomi's security features. You get all their other annoying apps that have ads, which you either have to kill in app, and uh, or use different apps. But you can you can kill the system level ads fairly easily, and they die if you turn off Xiaomi optimizations anyway. But yeah, they are annoying. Uh, it's quite a spammy phone. Has anyone played much with Samsung Knox? 
I think that the knocks, though, is just like a behind, um, just keeping everything intact, watching over the house. I'm not sure that, you know, anyone can go around messing with knocks unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just what they call their whole security situation. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's got a version number, though, hasn't it? Like, it is a thing. I think. Yeah, it does have version numbers. Um, they keep yeah. iterating it it. it. it might be something similar to, um, like, you know how the pixels have. You, you'll probably know more. The pixels have like a certain security Titan chip or something like that. It might be like Samsung's version of that. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So it's what powers the phone. That's what keeps the house intact. So Samsung's motherboard has a Knox chip and it has a fuse that uh, like uh, you cannot unlock the bootloader. If you unlock the bootloader, you trip that fuse forever and there is no resetting it. So first, when you would unlock the bootloader, you would get a message that bootloader un um, is unlocked and you had something like a warranty void, but you could reset it with by flashing a zip file. But now with Knox, it's become very hard to unlock the bootloader. And if you manage it, you cannot re reset that fuse. So there's an actual hardware fuse on the motherboard. And that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to, you know, boot unlock a Samsung phone because uh, Knox will not let you, or if you do, you know, some things are not going to be protected and all of that. I mean, all of them are like that. But I mean, nowadays, though, really, to be honest, no one is into all that uh Rooting the phone like it used to be. It used to be like a religious thing, yeah, you know, if you know what I mean. But yeah. nowadays, uh, with all the um, added number of uh, OS support, there's absolutely no need for, you know, monkeying around with this stuff. I wouldn't necessarily want to uh, root my phone. I did it once with my Galaxy S4, which I regretted. I never again did any rooting of the phone. There are still person, people with custom ROM flashing, but not by not with just rooting your phone because you get almost all the features into android unless you want to like put some intensive kernel governors and you want to enable those underclocking things and all then you need to root your phone otherwise i don't think anyone must root your phone even now and nowadays you know phones are so powerful anyways it's not like what we have back in those days all that pokey phones and all of that uh what's the point after all so but you know you have enthusiasts out there that want to see what they can do and tinkering with their devices so unless you belong to that group absolutely no need for doing such a thing i just want to say that you need to unlock the bootloader to flash the rom that's the only thing but routing is not recommended if you don't want to flash the rom just rooting is not recommended. Yeah, but even if it's not recommended, uh, the the OEMs should shouldn't give themselves the like the authority to make it harder. So I have the 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 capability to do whatever I want with my phone. This should be pr protected and respected. So if I want to to even break the phone, I have the right to. So I think what Samsung is doing is something crazy and something that shouldn't be done. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Karen. Um, it's your phone after all, right? So you can do whatever you want with it. Uh, but Samsung has, you know, always been like the big boy in the house and he can do whatever he wants to. 
and all of that. And, you know, lately, though, we've seen a, a number of other manufacturers uh, doing the same thing. I mean, Nokia, I'm looking at you, uh, you know, doing the same thing. And Motorola, I mean, they will kind of give you a token to unlock it. But lately, it seems like they're kind of like backing off or not doing it as they used to. So I think it all comes down to uh, they all believe, oh, we're keeping you safe. But, you know, the people know what they're doing. Anyone that wants to uh, boot unlock their phone knows exactly what they're doing. So give the people that choice that is the people who know what they're doing to do what they want to do instead of uh, that, you know, blanket denial. I think it's not right. And I think some of the software think- settings have gone a bit that way in Android, uh, probably 13, I think. That, that thing where... Uh, unused apps get all their permissions revoked. You, you can stop that on an app-by-app basis, but I don't think you can stop it happening globally, and you really should be able to. It just needs to be, I don't want any of my apps ever to have their permissions revoked button, but I'm pretty sure there isn't. I think these all these OEMs have got uh, very powerful because of some YouTube videos that don't have like the like the boilerplate warning Unlock, unlocking the bootloader might, may have chance of breaking your phone. So I think, you know, websites, the OEMs have got to the powerful because service centers, they are getting fooled with people. Oh, I've unlocked the bootloader. I've freaked my phone because people do it by just seeing YouTube videos. And, you know, you made a very important uh, comment there, Ed, most especially about, you know, accessing certain portions of the phone. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of the file managers are not doing what they used to do because uh, of that restriction. And um, like I said, frankly, if anyone is doing this, they know what they're doing and they should be. You're listening to the Blend Android Users podcast. You are now on to our App of the Week segment. This is where we demonstrate an app showing you whether or not it has accessibility issues or not. Should you have an app that you would like us to feature on one of our episodes, feel free to send such an app to contact us at blindandroidusers.com. And now, here's this episode's App of the Week. Now we turn to our App of the Week section, and Warren demonstrates Rscan. You might recall we had the developer Ratislav on episode 159 being featured, and this is his app. Hi, Warren Carr here for Blind Android Users Podcast, and for episode 161, this is demonstrating an app whose developer we had a couple of weeks ago, Ratislav Kish. This is the R scan, where the R stands for his first name, Rastislav. I'll be demonstrating this app today on my Pixel 8 Pro running Android 14 and TalkBack 14.1. I do want to mention here in passing that R scan is a very simplistic app. In other words, it's just an app dedicated not for an OCR, but an app dedicated to finding what a product is. So that's all that it does. It's not like a scanning app where you have an OCR capability. That's not what it does. I am on my home screen now and will navigate to my scanning folder, find and tap on RScan. I'll now move to folder, OCR, four or more items. OCR folder. I'll tap. Lookout. I do have three pages of 
OCR-related uh, things here. And so I'll move to the third page where we'll encounter the R-scan. Page two of three. Page three of three. I am now on the third page. And now we'll find and tap on R-scan. R-scan. Here's R-scan. We tap. Allow R-scan to take pictures and record video while using the app button. The first thing we heard is whether or not we would like to allow the R-scan to take video and pictures. And it's sitting by default on while using the app. Of course, if I'm going to be able to scan those QR codes and barcodes, I'll have to allow it. So while it's sitting on while using the app, I'll tap here to activate. R-scan list. We are now in the menu eye of the app, and the first thing you heard was list, meaning if I had scanned any barcodes or QR codes, those products would be here in the list found near the top of the screen. And I do want to mention here that this is not your traditional scanning app. In other words, when you go to take a picture or when you go to scan a product, I should say, you're not going to have a camera view where you see the product whose uh, barcode you're scanning. So keep that in mind. For example, if you have some site and can see uh, pictures and stuff like that, you're not going to see it. It's all black. So it's just an app intended for finding that QR code or barcode and telling you what the product is. Now, at the bottom of it, though, we have some four buttons, and I'll take you through those buttons. And I also want to mention that there's no such a thing as settings. As you can tell, very simplistic app. At the bottom, from the bottom left and going toward the right, here's the items that we encounter. At the very bottom left, we've got clear list button. We have clear list. So in other words, if you've scanned some things and you want to clear that list, you could tap on this to clear such list. To the right of that, use flashlight switch. Use the flashlight. So by default, it will turn on the flashlight if you happen to be in a place that is not well lit. The third item going right, import from clipboard button. You could import um, those numbers or UPCs or whatever, and it will recognize it if you have something on your clipboard. Last item on the right. Export to clipboard button. You could tap here to export the result of a scanned product that you just finished and would like to export it and save it somewhere, whatever the case may be. In our interview with Rastus Laugh, we talked a lot about food. We talked about chocolates and all of that. I do want to mention here, though, I'm not into chocolates. And so I do not have some chocolate or a box of chocolates uh, to scan for you. However, I have my favorite, and that will be gummy bears. I got this one from Walmart. I'm going to reach for it and see if it will recognize it. So like I said, this does not bib, and that's what I like about it. So if you point it at something and you don't hear a result uh, from it, then turn it around till you get it because it's not going to beep until you find something. So here we go. I got these gummy bears. Point it. I don't hear anything. So I'm going to turn Great it. Value gummy bears candy. 52 ounces. Walmart inventory checker. Showing item one. Very one. quick. As, as soon as I turn it, it told me 
great value gummy bears walmart uh, walmart inventory checker and that will show at the top of my screen great value gummy bears candy 52 ounces walmart inventory checker that's it and if i tap on clear list that clear button. list at the bottom it is gone now, I haven't forgotten our furry friends, so I got something for the cat, and I want to look at what that is. Let's take a look and see what it will tell us the product is. It's not on this side, so I'm going to turn it around. Temptations Whiskers Mix Up Surfers Delight Cat Care and Treats 3 Ounces. Showing item there one we go. One. It says something about tempta Showing temptation one to two of whiskers. Two. So I'm going to put my finger near the top. Temptations whiskers mix up surfers delight cat care and treats three ounces. Two of two. That's it. Now, I'm going to clear or there's no need. I want to try something else that is not food related. And so I got a box of the microphone that I'm using here in recording this demonstration. I'll grab that box and scan it to see what brand this microphone that I'm using is. Of course, it has four sides, so I'm going to flip it over till it, till it gets it. Here's the first side. I don't hear anything. Here's the second side. I don't hear anything. Flip it over. Behringer 000E4J 000010 Bigfoot USB Studio Condenser. Showing items 1 to 3 of 3. There we go. So it tells me that this is the Behringer um, Bigfoot USB Studio microphone. And that's what this is. EN13. Behringer 000E4J 0000010 Bigfoot USB Studio Condenser, one of three. And that's it with our scan. And I do want to mention here in passing that it recognizes the US measurements because it told us what the gummy bears were in ounces. This was something that Rastislav wasn't sure if it will recognize U.S. measurements or only the European. But as you can see, it recognizes the U.S. measurements. And that will be it about R-Scan, a very simplistic tool that you can use around the house recognizing those products. Again, I really like this app. I must confess, I've not got around to having a play with this yet. Has anyone else aside from Warren? I, I did actually, and to to give my opinion, uh, first of all, the the special thing or the advantage of the app is the use of search, which means that uh, sometimes the other apps will not get a code because it's a local code, and you will be getting it via the search of the app. Uh, so this means that it's sometimes able to identify uh, codes that seeing AI, for example, can't identify. Uh, this is the advantage of about it. However, because it's user search, this means also that there's a disadvantage, which is that sometimes the search will, uh, or the result that will be that it will be getting will be wrong. So it will it will take the the wrong search result. And uh, this will mean that this is a misidentification. So people should be aware about that because uh, it's something that might happen. It happened with me. And actually, the, the product was a Nescafe product, uh, Nescafe. Uh, and despite that, Nescafe is very famous. 
it was misidentified because it's using a search, not a, a code database. And uh, other than that, it's good in recognition. I mean, it's uh, qu quick, but you know, for me, because there is no uh, like no way to know that you're close to the code or that a portion of the code is uh, detected. It's like seeing AI does a better job in this regard. Well, I think for me, I, I really like the app because it's very simplistic, as I indicated in my demo. And uh, what I like about it, see, I don't like noises. And anytime you hear that thing make noise, uh, the beep, it has found your code. I don't want to, you know, while it's looking for the code uh, and I, I, I'm hearing all these beeps, it, it, I find it very annoying. So I really like that app and very simple app, very simple tool, very little in size. I think it's what, maybe like 12 MB or something like that. Um, it's just a basic, it's not an OCR package. It's not uh, something that you're actually going to see a picture of what you're um, trying to get uh, recognition for. And so it's just a different take. Um, I, I I would use this anytime around the house to find stuff, like especially in the pantry, trying to grab some food out of there. Uh, it's very useful for me. I actually used it last night in prepping some food. It, and it worked fantastically. So I like it. If you like a simple tool, uh, I think this is it. But, you know, like I always said, it's good to have uh, more than one thing because if something doesn't do it, you have another one. So it's another tool in that toolbox that you need. The other thing about those beepy noises as well from uh, some of the other AI apps is that they'll, they'll do false positives. So it sounds like you're getting warmer and actually there is no barcode on that side of whatever it is you're scanning. I've had that with... Uh, I'm not actually it's either Envision or seeing AI, I can't remember which, but um it'll it'll get faster the beeps as if I'm getting closer to the barcode and I can't find it and it transpires there is no barcode there. So the yeah, um, that's that. Yeah. Uh yeah. say the um the, the false positives where it thinks there's a barcode and actually there isn't is a bit disconcerting. Um but no, it's good and, and it, it'll it'll obviously search for me it might be a second line app if if the app that has access to a database has failed then maybe i'll go to that one uh, but i'm definitely going to install it and give it a look and you know what i like what? is the fact that um it recognizes stuff here in our matrix system because that was the one thing he was afraid of he thought it might not work here in the states and in the uk so ed you could try it there in the uk and see if it works for you but uh it does work for me here giving me the yeah. right correct uh measurements and that's what i like about it yeah uh, i i want to ask warren if he if he mentioned the fact that there's a slight accessibility issue which is related to the state of the flashlight so when you tap the flashlight uh, to turn it either on or off it will not give you an um indication that uh, or about the state if you are using gsho this this was mentioned actually in our review on accessible android uh if you are using gsho it will uh show you the state or let you know the state via the button itself because it says checked or unchecked however with talkback it doesn't say anything so you can't know at all if the flash is on or off if you are not having sight to to verify this yourself when I did mine, if the room is well lit, because I can see some, and but the flash was not on, 
Uh, but if the room is dim, it's not well lit, it would come on. I, I'll have to try that to see uh, what happens. But by default, you know, there, there's, to... there's no auto flash warning. There is no auto flash as far as I know. There is only the button. But the problem is that the state will not be reported. So if you tap the button, you will not be knowing if you're turning off or on the flash. Well, that's something we need to tell Ras about. I'll look into it and then I'll reach out to him because I, I think that could be easily correctable. Yeah, I think one of you should carry the torch for the flashlight accessibility button. Yeah. And now the G-Show, or what Austin refers to as the Joshua Screen Reader, a.k.a. Commentary Screen Reader CSR. This is where some feature of this screen reader is demonstrated. And now we move on to our G-Show section, and Kareen brings us the latest in this series, and this is demonstrating scenario-adaptive TTS configurations. Maybe you know that Jishua Screen Reader has the ability to assign two TTS engines, the main TTS engine and the secondary TTS engine, which is used to read some information like notifications. And some months ago, the ability to assign a TTS engine for reading time and timer and stopwatch was added. And recently, this was taken to a new level. Let's see the Scenario Adaptive TTS Configurations. I go to Gishuo Settings. Main menu. Gishuo Settings. Gishuo Plus. TTS Settings. Feedback Settings. TTS Settings. TTS Settings. And. Scenario Adaptive TTS Configurations. Scenario Adaptive TTS Configurations. Let's see what we have here. Scenario Adaptive TTS Configurations. Notification Reading TTS Settings. So here I can assign TTS engines and settings according to the scenario, or like, for example, uh, here we have the notification reading. So when there is a notification, I can assign the settings related to reading this notification with respect to TTS engine, speed, and other aspects. Reading mode TTS settings. This is the reading mode, which is uh, a function in Gshow to read Articles and web pages. Chat messages auto reading TTS settings. This is for the automatic message reading in chat apps, and you can find the settings related to uh, the automatic message reading in reading settings. Automatic browsing TTS settings. This is for the automatic browsing, which is uh, equivalent to read from next item in Gshow in uh, in Talkback. Character by character browsing mode TTS settings. This is the character by character browsing mode, which was uh, demonstrated also here before. Caller info TTS settings. And this is for reading the caller ID and information when you receive a call. Time announcement TTS settings. And this is the same one that you find in the advanced settings, uh, then timer settings, which is related to reading time, stopwatch, and timer information. Scenario adaptive TTS configurations. I'll see only one of them because they all contain the same set of options. I'll see with the automatic. Automatic browsing TTS settings. Browsing TTS settings. Automatic browsing Select TTS rate. Select TTS engine main TTS engine. I can select the TTS engine. I will select. Select. Select main. 
System TTS engine unchecked. Eastie unchecked. Edu Cloud TTS Athletic unchecked. Samsung text to speech engine slash com dot Samsung dot SM. Check. So I selected Samsung TTS and I have. Automatic browsing. Select TTS. TTS rate acceleration 1. The rate acceleration, which is uh, a feature in Dishore to uh, enable you to um, accelerate the speech rate, but it doesn't work with all TTS engines. So, for example, if you are using Auto TTS, this will not work. So it works with some TTS engines, not with all, uh, not with all of them. TTS rate fifth. Here I can specify the rate. So I will um, keep it as it is. TTS volume one hundred. And the volume. TTS pitch fifty. And the pitch. Audio channel media. And the media channel that should be used. I have. Audio audio window unchecked. Media checked. Alarm unchecked. Notification unchecked. Accessibility unchecked. Cancel button. Automatic browsing TTS settings. So those are the things that I can uh, specify. I will go back. Scenario adaptive TTS configuration. And I will test this. Notification reading TTS settings. Main menu. Automatic browsing. Automatic browsing. Reading mode TTS settings. Chat messages auto reading TTS settings. Automatic. So it started reading using the Samsung TTS, which is the TTS that I've specified. Main menu. More button. Backwards automatic browsing. Caller info TTS settings. Character by character browsing mode TTS settings. Automatic browsing TTS settings. So it works here as well uh, when the reading is reversed. I will try another thing, which is the character by character. Chat messages, caller info, TTS, time announcement, TTS, character by TTS rate acceleration, select TTS engine main TTS end, select acapella TTS slash com dot okay. Acapella. Character by character, TTS rate acceleration, TTS rate 50. And the rate. TTS rate. Cancel 60, 54, 51, 40, 27 unchecked. 27. So slow and checked. I'll go back. So now we have an active TTS configuration. And I'll open character by character browsing mode. Character by character browsing mode. I'll try to move my characters. Capital C H. Okay. So it worked as well. Um, and uh, I should note here before ending this demo that. Um, it's not necessary to uh, use a secondary TTS engine for this to work. So it's independent uh, of uh, the option that is related to using a single TTS engine. Uh, if it's checked or unchecked, this will not make any difference. Uh, this, or it used to make a difference. So it was uh, necessary to enable the or to disable the use of a single TTS engine for the um, TTS configurations that are specific to scenarios to work. However, now this is not needed. Thank you for listening. I like the secondary TTS uh, stuff in Jishu. I've got to say, I don't, I don't play with it very often. I, I've got it on my phone. I think I've been bumped down to the uh, free tier because I haven't really needed it. But it would be good to be able to have things like this in talkback don't you think you know to be honest there are some good things about 
you know, the confused screen reader. Um, <laughs> and of course, uh, frankly, there are things that we could learn from this uh, great screen reader. And I wish that Talkback would steal. I'm telling hush, hush about it now. Uh, Talkback would steal a little bit of these things that uh, have some functionalities that we do not have in Talkback. Uh, and I can see the reason why a lot of people like it. And, uh, you know, of course, Karen, you know, you are the queen of CSR and uh, you have shown us a lot from this uh, particular uh, screen reader. And maybe you can use your power. You know, sometimes guys listen to ladies when they talk. Uh, convince this guy to bring it to the Play Store, would you? No, I'm very happy with it. Not on the Play Store because I don't want some people to use it. So it's good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I thought you wanted me on board, no? I wanted you to be, but not now. Now I want you to stay with your talk back, begging Google to add slightly of what we have on G Show. That's fair enough. I don't care it's not on the Play Store because. I've never been bothered about stores, you know, JAWS and NVDA aren't on the Microsoft store, are they? I do wish the payment process was automated, though, so I could go to a website and pay for it and it would work, rather than be reliant on the developer to do something manual and then process it. That's, that's my main beef with it, not, not where it is. I totally agree. Actually, the payment process should be uh, like given a lot of work because even if you want to transfer the license from device to device, it should be done manually. And this is still really a problem. If, and especially that when you reset your phone, you will be losing the license because uh, your your ID, which is tied to the license, will change. And this means that you will be emailing the developer to reactivate your license, which is not really the professional way of dealing with payments and dealing with purchases. However, this doesn't give the people who are selling the cracks the excuse to do it because uh, this doesn't justify what they are doing. They are just stealing people's work, stealing the developer's work and selling the same or the thing that should be taken from the developer. They are selling it and they are saying that, okay, we are giving you the support of more one, one device and you can activate it automatically and stuff, but it's still a crack. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly, but he should fix that. Like, let's just, let's just make it slightly easier to, to, to do. I, I, I fell foul of the, the reset ID change issue uh, uh, several times and it's just, it, it can't be helpful for him either it's fairly labor intensive isn't it and he could focus his time on doing other things so uh yeah fix that and like i'm not bothered about the play store one way or the other but uh please sort out the payment thing and especially you know say someone has purchased like a multi-year uh license there should be no reason for them to be doing that every time they reset their device or uh, move on to another device, just tie it to their account or whatever. See, this is one of the things I didn't like the uh, mobile speak and the talks back in the Symbian days. Um, you have to do this and that. And that was one of my uh, beef with one of those things. And it seems he's taking it from their playbook and it's, it's not a good playbook. Yeah. I mean, life was less automated then anyway, wasn't it? But still, yeah, I think that's right.
Straight Ahead is our tip of the week segment, and this is where we show you a trick or tip on how to take advantage of your Android device. And now for this episode's tip of the week, here's your tip of the week. And we close out this episode with a tip of the week from John, and John shows you gestures in Nova Launcher. Hi. For today's tip, I'm going to give you a demonstration of gestures in Nova Launcher for those of you that use it or are considering using it. So we'll just get right into it. I'm going to go to Nova Settings. There's a few ways to get there, but the easiest way is to first put your home screen itself in focus. So you can do that by exploring the screen and finding a blank area on your home screen, which I do not have. <laughs> so in order for me, to find it, I'm going to go to the first item on screen, which you can either do using a gesture or you can just find the first app or widget on your screen and swipe left from there. And that will put the home screen in focus. So I'm going to go to the first item. Home. And once you hear it say home, you're on it. And now you can swipe through the actions. Apps. Settings. And I'm going to go to settings. Nova settings. Nova launcher. And the seventh section of the settings is gestures and inputs define secondary home button action along with swipe tap and pinch gestures on home screen and that's where we're going to go gestures and inputs so the first thing here we have button actions is one button action home button nova search and that's the home button and what this is is what you want the home button behavior to be when you're already on the home screen and more specifically the first of your home screens if you have multiple screens and this goes whether you're using an on-screen home button whether you're swiping up from the bottom of the screen with two fingers or whether you have a talkback gesture assigned to take you home either of those three things if you do that when you're on your first home screen it will do whatever action you have set here so i have mine set to nova search and below that we have only on main home page Return to the main home page with the first tap. Execute the action with a second tap. And there you have the behavior I just described. So if you want it to do it from any home screen, then you can change that behavior here. And now below this, we have all the gestures. Gestures. Swipe up. App drawer. Swipe down. Ashley Dyer. So as you see, there's a swipe up and a swipe down. And... Of course, using TalkBack, these are going to be swipe up with two fingers or swipe down with two fingers. And below that we have... Swipe left, shorts. Swipe right, subscriptions. Swipe left and swipe right. Same deal here. You're going to need to use two fingers when you have TalkBack enabled. But also, of course, if you have multiple home screens, you'll only be able to swipe right from your first home screen and you'll only be able to swipe left from your last home screen and of course by right or left i mean right with two fingers or left with two fingers next we have double tap none these next three gestures starting with double tap here you can't do with talkback if you want to assign something to them you can but you'll have to completely disable talkback in order to use them so that applies to double tap double tap plus swipe up none Double tap swipe up, 
Double tap plus swipe down. None. And double tap swipe down. And after that we have... Two finger swipe up. Assistant. Two finger swipe down. Nova search. We have two finger swipe up and two finger swipe down. Same goes for these. You'll... The exception being that you can still do these with TalkBack enabled as long as you do a pass-through gesture first. So if you have a gesture assigned to pass-through in TalkBack, you would do that gesture first, and then you could swipe up with two fingers or swipe down with two fingers. So these are semi-doable with TalkBack enabled, or of course you could turn TalkBack off to do these as well. Next we have... Pinch in, document. Pinch out, short text. Pinch in and pinch out. These are sort of like you're zooming in or zooming out on an image, that sort of gesture where you slide your fingers together or slide them apart. And then the next two gestures we have are two finger rotation, counterclockwise camera, two finger rotation, clockwise record video. And what these are is if you've ever used an iPhone, it's similar to the rotor. So you would put two fingers on the screen and you'd rotate them either counterclockwise or clockwise to perform these last two gestures. Now I'm gonna open it up so we can see what we can actually assign to each of these gestures. Nova, choose action, navigate up, button. So there's three tabs. Selected, Nova. There's Nova Actions tab. Apps. There's an Apps tab. Shortcuts. There's a Shortcuts tab. And for the Nova Actions. None, icon. You can set it to do nothing. App drawer, icon. Open the app drawer. Expand notifications icon. Bring down the notification shade. Expand quick settings icon. Bring down quick settings. Recent apps icon. Open your recent app screen. Screen lock icon. Lock the screen. Nova search icon. Bring up Nova search. Assistant icon. Bring up whatever your default assistant is on your device, whether that be Google Assistant. Bixby, the Amazon A-Word, or anything else. Toggle notification bar, icon. You could toggle whether you want the notification bar to show. This is the status bar along the top. Toggle dock, icon. And if you want to, you can hide your dock and you can have this action hide it and unhide it. Default page, icon. You could have this go to your default homepage directly. Jump to page, icon. Jump to a specific page. Desktop previews icon. This is the screen where you can select different pages of your desktop to perform actions such as delete. Or at the bottom of the screen, you will have wallpapers, settings, and so on. Nova settings icon. Or you can just have it take you straight into Nova settings. And that's all of the Nova actions you can assign. I mentioned there was three tabs at the top. I'm just going to swipe left with two fingers to go to the next tab, which is apps. Apps. Page two of three. And this is just a list of all the apps you have installed. So if you want to use a gesture to open a specific app, this is how you'd set it. You just choose that app from this list. I'm going to swipe left again with two fingers to go to shortcuts. Shortcuts. Page three of three. And what this is, it's a list of apps that support shortcuts. So for example... Amazon Shopping, four. Here's a good one. I'll open this. I'll double tap on Amazon. And that's going to expand it so I can see what shortcuts they offer. Cart, deals, orders. So, for example, if you want it to go straight to your Amazon orders, 
you would set that shortcut. So you can assign a gesture not only to open a specific app, but go directly into a certain portion of that app using shortcuts. Now that I've shown you everything that you can assign to shortcuts, I'm just going to demonstrate. So I'm going to go back to my homepage. Nova Launcher. Home. So if I swipe up with two fingers. A, B, N, B. That takes me to my app drawer. I'm going to go back home. Home. If I swipe down with two fingers. Messages. This takes me into my messages app, and it takes me directly into the conversation with my wife. So I did that using a shortcut. You can choose a specific contact. You want it to open right into that conversation. Go back. Nova Launcher. Home. Now I have another shortcut set up. If I swipe right with two fingers, that's going to not only open YouTube, but take me to subscriptions. Home screen one of two. YouTube. Subscriptions. Cast. Disconnected. Button. So that's what that did. Nova Launcher. Home. I'm back home. Now, again, to swipe left, I'm going to need to be on my last page, so I'm going to go to second page. Home screen two of two. And I have a swipe left with two fingers to open YouTube in shorts. Home screen two this of two. This is Dial Drunk Playing from story. Perspective. YouTube. Video progress. <laughs> Nova Launcher. Home. So back home. And a couple more gestures I'm going to show you. I have pinch out, so I'm going to slide my fingers apart. That's going to open Seeing AI specifically in text mode. So I used a shortcut for that. Home screen two of short text. Seeing AI. Open navigation drawer button. Nova. Now I'm back home. And then the opposite gesture to slide two fingers together. I have that set to open seeing AI in document scanning mode. Home screen two of two. Document. Seeing AI. Open navigation drawer button. All right. Nova. So I'm going to go back home. Nova. I'm going to show you two more gestures. The rotation gestures. So I have it set if I rotate my fingers to the left. I'm going to put two fingers on the screen and rotate left. That's going to open the camera. Home screen two of two. Camera. Take picture. Button. Photo. Mo. Nova launcher. Home. Back home again. And I have it if I rotate to the right, it's going to open camera in video mode so I could take a quick video. So again, I used shortcuts for that. Home screen two of two. Camera. Take picture. Button. Video. Mode, rear camera, preview. So there we have it. I'm going to go back home. Nova launcher, home. Now it's taking, talk back a little bit of time because of my speech rate to read everything that's happening. But trust me, these actions happen very quickly, whether it be opening an app, opening a shortcut, or doing a Nova action. So as you can see, this is a quick way to access specific parts of apps or do specific actions or open specific apps right from your home screen, just using gestures. I hope this has been helpful. Thanks for listening. I've got a say, I do like Nova. It's one of my, my two go-tos. I, I use Hyperion slightly more, but Nova is a, is a good launcher, I think. Yeah, it's my favorite third-party launcher. Um, I, use it, I use it especially now that in One UI 6, using a third-party launcher no longer keeps you from like swiping between items in the recent screen. Like it wouldn't self, it wouldn't scroll itself when you swiped if you were using a third party launcher before, but 
since the Android 14 update that's changed. So I've gone back to using that on my Samsung phone, and it's nice. Did you only get two apps before when you swiped? Yeah, For what whatever yeah. was showing on the screen. So I could like I could go into I could use a good lock module to like make more apps show on the screen at once. But yeah, however many were on the screen, it would just get to the end and stop and go to the beginning again, instead of like scrolling the page for you. Because typically I've seen phones that do two. Xiaomi gives me four, which I think is interesting and more than I've had on other ones. Uh, I'd be interested to know if anyone else has found this with third party launches. I sort of thought this was Xiaomi specific, but I went the other day, you know, we were talking on the group about gestures and accessing Google Assistant. I went to go and turn off the three-button navigation bar on my Xiaomi phone, but it said to do that, I had to switch to the stock launcher. I was wondering if that was a Xiaomi thing or whether that was something on other phones. I sort of vaguely remember having gesture navigation with a third-party launcher before, but I might be wrong. I think that might be specifically a Xiaomi thing because I haven't had that issue with using navigation buttons depending on whether or not I use a third-party launcher. But the being able to swipe between all of your open recent items is an issue on um, Pixel devices and even on the Asus phone that I just got. So yeah. for whatever reason, it's just the only one I've been able to do it on is Samsung, is my Samsung phone running um Android 14 on Android 13. It also had that issue. So I don't know what Samsung changed, but something is different. Yeah. I mean, that, that the um, apps thing has been an issue on all the phones I've ever had. Um, usually showing me two apps, as I say, the Xiaomi does give me four, but I, I didn't think that was a thing. <laughs> Needing to run the default launcher enabled, uh, sorry, the stop launcher enabled to have um, system navigation with gestures i thought i'd done that on other phones uh so i'm glad i'm not misremembering that okay so switching between apps is not related to or the recent app screen is not uh something that is related to the launcher the third party launchers can do it unless you are rooted as far as i know so uh there would there will not be any launcher that is able to fix this problem because whenever you go to the recent sc screen you are using the system recent screen but the screens do look different. So on my Pixel, for instance, if I use the Google Pixel launcher, I can swipe between all the different recent apps with one, you know, just one finger swiping. If I use Hyperion or Nova, I only get two. They are doing some limitations, I think. Google is doing something, I think, I assume. Yeah, and then it looks like Samsung have fixed it on... Um, UI6. Yeah, I don't think it's by design. I think something they've accidentally unbroke it because I, I don't think anybody not using this. Yeah, because this is only something to applies to a screen reader user, you know. One other thing I wanted to mention as well is that for this demo, I was using the Nova Launcher 8 beta. So right now, the stable version is Nova Launcher setting or Nova Launcher 7. So there were a couple more um, gestures in there that you probably won't see if you're running Nova Launcher 7. That'll either give you something to look forward to or a reason to sign up to the beta.
all good things must end. Thus, it's curtain drawing time, bringing us to the close of this week's episode. Coming up, though, we give you information on how to get hold of us. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Austin, how can people get in touch with us? To contact us, you can send an email to contact us at blindandroidusers.com. You can join a mailing list by sending an email to blindandroidusers plus subscribe at groups.io. You can join our Telegram, Facebook, Discord, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. The links for everything will be at the bottom of the show notes and also in the video description of the YouTube channel. And also the links are in the websites panel of the YouTube channels. Well, thanks very much for listening. Say bye-bye, everybody. Bye, people. Bye, everyone, and thanks for listening to our very first episode for the year 2024. Have a great week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Blind Android Users Podcast. Until we see you next week, don't forget to leave us your comments and suggestions via our email contact or using any of our social media sites. Have a great week.